Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good, good, man. I'm excited to be here today. Let me just get myself situated really quick. Um, is there any kids in the room today? Any kids? I want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll ask you guys. What was the like, greatest Christmas gift you guys got this year? Like just something, something good. For me, um, I got a, a pair of riding gear that I've been wanting for a while now, and I'm excited for that. But um, hopefully you guys got what you asked for this Christmas season. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Charlie. I am our generation's pastor here. And what that means is I just get to work with our kids' ministry teams, our youth teams, and our young adult teams across all of our campuses. And I love what I get to do. And I'm excited more so because today I get the opportunity to speak to you guys in about a month ago, um, I was talking with Pastor Jim about speaking on the very first service of the year, and it's funny because I think for the past three to four years now, I've had the opportunity to speak in the very first Sunday of the new year, and I think this is just a um, just something that we're going to make normal now, at least I hope so. I mean, you guys are still showing up, so that means you guys liked it last year, um, and uh, you don't miss Pastor Jim that much, but it's okay. Um, I, it doesn't hurt his feelings. Um, but today I, I want to I speak a message to you that's um, something really, uh, really on my heart. And um, it's something that I'm going through uh, right now. And uh, if you guys follow me on, on Facebook or if you are friends with me on Instagram or even my mom, you would know that the, the past really two weeks, two and a half weeks have been some of the worst weeks of my life. Um, gosh, I thought I got done with that in first service. Um, about four weeks ago, my parents came down with COVID, and um, after, after two weeks of it, uh, them being home, being isolated, um, that's typically when you would think things would start to get better, but really it started taking a turn for the worse for my parents. And um, I, my, we ended up having to call the ambulance for my father um, on the 19th of December, and that night I, got over, I went over to my parents' house, and I picked my mom up, and I took my mom to the hospital as well. And... Um, when my parents were in the hospital, I didn't know this, but they hooked my father up to a ventilator, and with that and just complications with his diabetes, um, uh, my father passed on Tuesday. And, um, luckily, my mom, it wasn't as serious for my mom. We were able to take my mom home on Christmas night, which was, which was awesome. Um, but I share that with you guys because uh, the 19th, my parents went into the hospital, and on the 20th, I had told them I... I had told my, um, I had told the pastoral team what was going on, and um, just for them to be praying, for them to uh, just go through all, like, what they need to go through. Ooh, hold on one second here. Um, and uh, after staff on, on Monday, Pastor Charlie Bacar gave me a call, just asking how I was doing um, with my parents being in the hospital and everything, and um, as uh, he was there talking to me on the phone, he, he said that he was going to pray, and so he's praying. And um, I had known that I was speaking this week. I had known that I had um, the, the message to write and hadn't started. And Devin was asking. She didn't know what was going on, but she was asking what, was go, uh, what the message title was going to be. And um, in the middle of uh, Pastor Charlie Bacar's prayer, um, it's ironic because he didn't say these words, but these words I felt God was just speaking to me in the moment. Um, these four words of hope in the middle. Hope in 
the middle. And in the middle of his prayer, I, I grabbed my phone and I pulled out my notes because like every pastor, as soon as an idea comes to their mind, they write it down because if not, they're just going to forget it. And so I, I opened up my notes and I wrote down hope in the middle. And from there, I went to a coffee shop and kind of just brainstormed on that idea and expanded on that idea of what God was showing me because in this past four weeks, really two and a half weeks, um, if God's been showing me a lot. God, God's been speaking to me a lot, and these four words are something that I'm holding on to of having hope in the middle of a situation or a circumstance that you did not see coming, or hope in the middle of a situation that you wish you just were not in. And today, that's what I want to do, is I want to expand on this idea and, and share a message from the heart, share a message that's just raw and, and real to me right now. So if you're taking notes, what I'd love for you to do is write down the title of today's message, Hope in the Middle. Hope in the middle. Now, I know this is a, a message that is really personal to me right now, and um, I had a, a few people were saying, are you, are you good to speak this week? And I told them no, um, but I, I said that I feel like I need to, and the reason why I say that is because I know there's some people in this room right now that feel like they're stuck in the middle, stuck in the middle of a valley, and they don't know what to do. They can't find themselves getting out of it. And I'm believing, and I'm praying, and I'm hoping that what God is showing me for myself is the same thing God wants to show you guys here today of what it looks like to truly have hope in the middle of our circumstances that we wish we were not a part of. So with that, I got four points that I want to dive into today, but before we do that, I'm going to pray and open this up in our service. So if we can, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for another day. Thank you that we can come here on a Sunday morning and just be able to worship you and lift your name on high. God, I pray for strength. Uh, God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to just rain down in this place as it's already here. God, we thank you for the worship team leading us in those songs of worship. It's an amazing set that we get to just lift your name high. God, we pray today that as we dive into this idea of having hope in the middle of our circumstances, hope in the middle of our valleys, hope in the middle of dark areas of our lives, God, that you will speak to us. God, that you will reveal yourself to us. God, that we can feel your presence again. God, we can feel your spirit again. So God, let this be your words, not of mine. And God, just speak to us today. In your name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. So the first point I want you to write down today is this. What is yours? What is yours? And I hope you guys brought your notebooks today because those that write notes in church go to heaven. Um, <laughs> I'm lying, I'm lying. I shouldn't lie up in, in the pulpit, but um, hopefully you guys brought your notes because I want you to write that down, the very first point of what is yours. And there's two questions I want to ask within this point. The very first one is this. What is your middle? What is your middle? I had it told to me a long time ago that every one of us has our own middles. They might look different than other people. Every one of us has been in the middle. They said there's like three stages of life because if you're in this room, you know life is like a roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and downs. They say you're either in the middle, coming out of the middle, or getting ready to go back into the middle. It's the cycle of life, because we live in a fallen world all the way back from Genesis chapter 3. So I asked this question of what is your middle? For some of us, our middle might look like financial stress at home. Our middle might look like um, we just recently lost a job, and we don't know where to turn next. Our middle might look like we have a family member that no longer wants to come to church, Maybe it's our son, maybe our daughter that doesn't believe in God anymore, even though you raised them in the church. Our middle might look like we're going through a divorce, we're going through a separation, and it looks like there's no hope there. Your middle might just be like what mine is right now, and you've recently lost a loved one, someone close to you, a family member, a friend. 
And what I want us to do right now, and I don't want to harp on this, but what I want us to do right now, if you are taking notes and you're in the middle right now of a situation you wish you were not in, I want you to write that middle down. Just write it down in your notes, write it down in your phone, or keep it in your head. And the reason why I ask us to write the middle down or I write the situation down isn't because, again, I don't want us to focus so much on that. But I think at times we can be stuck in the middle for so long that we just think that this is our life now. That I am depressed, that's just who I am, and we slap that label on ourselves. Or I am a widow, and we just slap that label on ourselves. Or I am someone that's just filled with hurt, that I am just someone that's filled with pain, and that's just who we are now. Can I tell you something? That is not who you are. God loves you way too much to leave you in the middle. God loves you way too much to leave you in that circumstance. You see, I think when we slap those labels on ourselves, we walk around as if that's who we are, but at the end of the day, you can't give that label to yourself because you see, look it, the only person that can label you is not your situation, is not your feelings, is not your emotions. The only thing that can label you is the one that created you, and that is God. The only one that can label you is the one that created you. The world might tell you another thing, The world might tell you you are this. The world might tell you you are a failure. But in God's eyes, you are not. In God's eyes, you are loved. In God's eyes, you are filled with grace and mercy and patience. Don't let the world label you. Don't let your circumstance label you. Just because you've been in the middle for a while now does not make that who you are. The next thing I want you to write down is this. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? See, as Christians and just human beings on this earth, there's two places we can find hope in. We can find hope in Christ. We can also find hope in the world. And you see, the only problem with finding hope in the world is when we find that hope or what we so-called think is hope, what ends up happening is when we get into the world and we try to find the hope in the world, we usually turn to drugs, we usually turn to drinking, we usually turn to random one-night stands, we usually turn to the things that only fill the void temporarily. And I, and I get what you guys are, where you guys are coming from. If that is you in this room, I totally get that. Because the reason why I said we typically go to that is because the things of this world is easy to grasp. The things of this world is easy to reach for. The things of this world is right down the street. You can hug it, you can feel it, you can taste it. So I get that. But when you fill yourself with the hope of the world, what ends up happening is that void that you're trying to fill, that hole in your heart that you're trying to fill, will be filled for a little bit. You'll feel that pain go away for a little bit, but when you wake up the next day, it's right back there again. And you're going to find yourself going down this cycle over and over again, and you're going to find yourself digging yourself deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper into the middle than you ever thought you could get to. You see, I love the way the Apostle Paul says it in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I want to read out of the Amplified Version really quick because I just like the way the Amplified Version reads this. And it says this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world of the sin that opposes God, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust, sensual cravings, and the flesh, and the lust, and longing of the eyes, and boastful pride of life, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away, and with it, its lusts. 
the shameful pursuit of the ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purpose lives forever. Again, that's John chapter, First uh, John chapter. 2 verse 15 through 17. I love the way the Apostle Paul writes that because as he breaks this down for us, he tells us pretty clearly the things of this world are here one day but gone the next. The things of this world are vanishing. The things of this world are fading. What we're trying to find hope in is not going to sustain us. The only thing that will sustain you and will sustain me is Christ. The thing I love about Christ is this. From the beginning of time, people have tried to cancel him. From the beginning of time, people have tried to X him out. But yet he still keeps showing up. He's like that annoying like uncle or uh, aunt that shows up on Christmas, and you're like, I didn't invite you. <laughs> He's never going away. The school systems tried to kick him out. The world's tried to kick him out. They tried eradicating the word of God, but yet it's still here today. He's not going anywhere. And I don't know about you, but if I want to find hope, I want to find hope in someone that loves me, but I want to find hope in someone that's never going to leave me. I want to put my faith in someone that's never going to leave me because you see he came to this earth 2,000 some odd years ago and died on a cross for you and for me because of the love he has for us. So that when we're in the middle of a situation we wish we weren't in, we can turn to him. And you see the next three points, what I want to do is I just want to kind of expand on that idea of us in the middle and finding hope. And there's many, many ways we can go with this, but these are the things that I believe God's sharing with me in my, in, in, as I'm in the middle. I believe God's sharing with me these three ideas that I want to share with you. And again, there's many ways. And the things I'm going to share with you guys, to be honest, if you're watching online or you're here in person today, these things aren't new. These are things that have been tried and tested for years upon years upon years. Pastor Jim spoke about it. I've probably spoke about it up here before. Any pastor you've listened to probably speaks about this. But there are things that I believe are so real and so relevant for us here today. And maybe the last year, this like, entire last year, you felt like you were in the middle and you're just hoping that 2022 is going to be different. I believe, honestly, church, if we just take what we're going to get into right now and apply it to our lives, it will be different. When you grow spiritually in the new year, you are growing in the new year. Things will look different for you in the new year. So I want to dive into this. The second point I want you to write down today is this. Communicate. Communicate. Communicate with others, which we're going to get into in point three, but also communicate with God. Pray to God. I told you this is nothing new, but pray to God. When you're in that valley, when you're in that dark space, pray to God. God has an open ear for you. God wants to hear you talk to him. There's a story in the Bible, and I want to, in each point, we're going to pull out a different story throughout the Bible, but there's a story in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 1 of a girl that goes by the name of Hannah. Hannah, um, where we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel, you could say she was in the middle. She was in the middle of a valley. She was in the middle of hurt. She was in the middle of pain. See, Hannah in the Bible, she is um, a woman that could not bear children. The problem with that, one, is she couldn't bear children, but two, the man that she was married to was also married to another woman. Talk about an episode of Dr. Phil. But she was also married to another woman, and that woman was able to bear, bear children, was able to have kids. So you can imagine the emotions, you can imagine the pain that Hannah's feeling. And what I love what Hannah does is instead of sitting there and, and thinking of why this, is, why this is happening to me, why would my husband do this? 
She prays to God. See, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 9, says it like this. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking. Now Eli and the priest were sitting, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly disturbed, prayed to the Lord and wept, wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the afflictions of your maidservant and remind me and not forget, or remember me and not forget me, your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Verse 12, now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. Kind of weird, but okay. Verse 13, as for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 14, then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, no, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. But I have poured out my soul before the Lord. If you're taking notes or you have a physical Bible, I want you to highlight that, verse 15 right there. But I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the Lord of Israel grant your pension, and that you have asked for him. Verse 18, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. I love the story of Hannah and the prayer that she prayed to God. Because there's really two things that we can see from this story. There's two things that we can pull out just from that short text that we just read. The first one is this, and I think it's funny that as Eli was watching her pray, she was praying, her lips were moving, but there was no words coming out, and she thought she was drunk. I think it's ironic that when you're in the middle of a situation you wish you were not in, how sometimes the world just assumes, people in your life just assume that you've turned to the things of the world to numb the pain. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what's going to help us. The other thing that I love about that point and just that thought right there is this, is Hannah did not care what she looked like when she was praying to God. I think sometimes we can walk into church when we're in the middle of a valley and we make sure we put our makeup on, we make sure we look nice, we make sure that we don't raise our hands too high because we don't want other people to look at us. We make sure that we put our deodorant on because if we do put our hands up high, we don't want to smell around us. Can I tell you something? God does not care if you put deodorant on or not. Maybe your neighbor does, but your God does not care if you put deodorant on or not to come to him. You don't need to make your life perfect. God just wants you to pray to him. God just wants you to worship him where you're at. Because he will meet you where you're at. He will love you where you're at. And the best part about God is this. He will meet you where you're at and he won't leave you where you're at. He will meet you where you're at and will not leave you there. Hannah didn't care what she looked like. She just prayed to God. And the next thing, and I told you to highlight this, is verse 15 when she says, But I have poured out my soul before the Lord. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. When I read that, it just kind of jumped off the page to me. Hannah pouring her soul out to the Lord. Church, when's the last time we poured our soul out to the Lord? 
whether you're in the middle or whether you're on the mountaintop. When is the last time we poured our soul out to the Lord? Now, I'm not saying that every single time you pray to God, you need to weep bitterly and you need to cry and not wear deodorant. But what I am saying is that question of when's the last time you poured your soul out to the Lord? And to be honest with you, again, I'm just speaking because this is real in my life right now. The last time I poured my soul out to the Lord was on Tuesday, not last Tuesday. Both my parents were in the hospital. I had no communication with my dad, really didn't know how he was doing. And I was in the backyard playing with my dog at my parents' house, and I'm throwing the ball until he doesn't want to play anymore because he just sits down and chews on the ball afterwards. And as he sat down, I sat down, and I just cried. I yelled at God. I was angry at God. I wanted answers from God. I said some choice words to God that I will not repeat here on this stage. And I share that with you not because I want you to think of pity me, but I share that with you not to make you think that I'm some holy guy. I share that with you because I want you to know that God can take what you want to say to him. God can take it when you want to pour your soul out to him. God can take it because the thing is this. Some of us might think that God, he doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Let me tell you something. God already knows what you're thinking. He just wants you to communicate to him. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're going through. He just wants you to communicate to him. He's one of the greatest listeners ever. He always has an open ear for you, 24-7, 365. He is there at all times of the day. But it's up to us if we truly want to pour that out. Because you see, the thing is, I'm not just going to come up here and say, do this. But when you do this, watch what happens in your life. Your circumstance might not change, just 100% honest. God is not a genie in the bottle that will grant every single prayer we, we say. If he did, then I'd be a millionaire walking around in, like, I don't know, nice clothes. But he wants to listen. He's an open ear. He wants to hear what it is that you're going through. The third point I want to share with you today is this. Your team. Your team. Not only does God want you to communicate with him, but God wants you to have people you can communicate to. People here on this earth. God's probably placed you in a situation today with people around you that you can go to, with people around you that can pour into your life. You see, when I think of this, this idea of your team, the first thing I think of, if you know me, um, I, I've shared a handful of stories of me playing football in high school. I wasn't very good, but I share stories about it because it's funny. Um, I went to a school in Riverside called Ramona High, and um, I remember one day, I think it was my senior year, my senior year and my junior year, um, we had to run sprints after a game. It was on Monday practice. We had to run sprints from the Friday game because like every single time we had a penalty, our coach would typically make us run 100-yard um, dashes for every penalty we got. But the only problem was is I was slow. And uh, the coach wanted to time us to make sure that we made it across the line at a certain time. And we, I think we had like 15 penalties that week. It was like horrible. So we're running, just running, just running. And it got down to like right around the last one we had to run. And I, we ran it about two to three times, and I just could not make the time. I was the one holding the team back. And the time came where a good friend of mine, his name was T.J. Miller, he came up to me, and he was like, Charlie, you are going to make this time whether you like it or not. And I did not know what that meant. I was kind of scared. But I said, okay. 
And we start, he, the coach blows the whistle, and we start running. We get to the five-yard line. There's about two seconds left as the coach was counting down. And when the two seconds hit, my friend TJ just done pushed me over the line to make sure we made that time so we did, had to stop running. The, co- the teammates were really excited about that. It hurt me a little bit, but I was glad I had to stop running. See, I, sh- I share that story with you guys because we all need that person in our life that when we're in the middle can help us find the finish line. Amen. We need that person in our life when we feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel can lead us to that light. Yeah, we have that communication with God, but God places certain people in your life to help you through these situations. Certain people in your life to help you find that finish line. And if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, Charlie, I got this. I, I'm fine. I can do this myself. Stop faking it. Stop. No one on this earth is self-made. No one on this earth can do it by themselves. It's not biblical. From the beginning of time, we were created to be in community. From the beginning of time, we were created to have people on our side. We were created to have people on our team to help us. Not only just to help us, but just to be there. To be there at the top and to be there at the bottom. In every situation. You see, there's a story in the Bible of a girl that goes by the name of Esther. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. But the story of Esther is in the, in the Old Testament. And Esther is a, a Jewish woman. At the time, she had hidden her identity. She had hidden her, her ethnicity. And she became a queen. A queen to someone that is not a Jew. Which isn't good. And in that moment, in that time that she was a queen... A decree came out against her people, the Jewish people in that region. And the decree was that all of the Jews in that region would be persecuted and punished. And now Esther caught wind of what was happening, and she was greatly disturbed, because again, she's Jewish, but no one knows that. And Esther was put in a situation where she can go and talk to the king and hope and pray that the king would grant favor on this decree and not have to do the decree, or... Esther, a Jewish lady that did not, that that no one in that region knew she was Jewish, could just sit back, not say anything, and watch her people die. But what Esther does is something I think God created us to do. You see, what Esther does is in Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4, verse 13, reads like this. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's place can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. I love that verse right there. For such a time like this, can I tell you something? There's probably some people in your life that you came in contact with last year, or maybe two years ago, or maybe this week, that you've come in contact with them because God wants to use you to be a beacon of hope in their life. God wants to use you so you can help them get across the finish line. Maybe they don't know who Christ is. Maybe they don't know the light of the world like that, but you do. And God has you in their life for a reason. God has you in their life so you can share the love of Christ to them. Always remember that. Verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. 
I and my maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go into the king, which is not according in the law, and perish if I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. I love what verse uh, 16 says because it really paints even more so the picture that um, Esther is in. Esther, as the queen, she could not go and just talk to the king freely. The king had to summon her. The king had to ask for her to be able to come and talk to her. And so what Esther's going to do is she's going to go and talk to the king even though she was not asked to. And with that, she has a chance of dying. That was the punishment for doing something like that. So you can imagine the emotions, you can imagine the middle that she is in right now. But what she says to Mordecai, I think is so key for us. It says to go pray and fast with the people of the region, and I will do the same thing. Church, when there's people on your side praying with you, it brings so much hope into your life. When you have a team of people around you that is showing the same love and showing the same support that you are hoping for in your life, there's hope. There's a weight that gets lifted off of your shoulders. There's a weight that gets lifted off your shoulders. And I know it might sound weird, but it is so true. On Christmas Eve, um, on Christmas Eve, uh, we were here for the service. Hopefully you guys were here. You guys got to see me running down the hill in Oakland and me running into the sanctuary like a weirdo. Um, but we did the service, and after the service, everyone was starting to leave, and I, I went and I grabbed my backpack, and as I grabbed my backpack, I started walking back up to the stage, and at the stage, um, Michael Estrada, our worship pastor, was up there, and I was saying bye to some people, and, and Michael came up and gave me a hug, and he had known everything that was going on in, my, in the situation. I had just told him to before service started that um, he asked me how my, my father was doing, and I, I told him, I was like, he's, he's just not looking good. It doesn't look good for him. And uh, when I was up here talking to him after service, he came up and gave me a hug. And as he gave me a hug, he, he said some things to me that at the time I, I, didn't, I couldn't comprehend. But what he was saying was, he was saying, hey, look, when you're happy, I'm going to be happy with you. When you laugh, I'll be laughing with you. When you cry, I'm going to be crying with you. When you pray, I'm going to be praying with you. I'm going to be by your side every step of the way. And in that moment, I didn't wrap my mind around it, but I, I went into the car afterwards, and I sat down, and I kind of just decompressed. And I thought about what he said to me. And as I thought about that, there was hope. I felt this weight lift off my shoulders, knowing that I'm not fighting this fight alone. Not only do I have God on my side, but I have a team of people on my side. Now, I want you to know this today. You have a team of people that are surrounding you. If you don't think so, I'm on your side. Talk to me after service. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to exchange numbers. After service, there's a prayer team that'll be to my left, your right. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to talk with you. We have a pastoral team here on staff that is in your corner. You're not fighting this fight alone. Whether this is your first time at this church or your millionth time at this church, you have a team of people that are surrounding you. But the only thing when it comes to this is we need to know we cannot be fake. I think sometimes we desire for people to be in our life. We desire for people to be in our corner. But the one thing God's showed me in this past week and a half, two weeks, is I can't be fake. And the same goes for us here today. And what I mean by we can't be fake is this. When someone comes up to you that is in your corner, that is on your team, and asks you, how are you doing? You can't say everything is good when life is hell back at home. 
when pain is surrounding you. I'm not saying to when everybody asks you, hey, how are you doing? You pour your entire life out to them. No, that's just a little weird. But there are certain people in your life, again, that God's placed there so you can be real and you can be honest with them. And find people to be in your life, to be in your corner that can call you out when you're lying. Pastor Eric gave me a call. He's a counseling, he's a family and marriage pastor here. He called me the Wednesday um, after I'd taken my parents into the hospital. And on that Wednesday, he gave me a call and he asked me, he's like, hey, how are you doing? Just checking in on me. And I said, I'm good. And he paused and he said, Charlie, there's no way you can be good right now. There's no way you can be good right now. And in that moment, he doesn't know this, but in that moment, I realized that I can't fake this. I can't fake my emotions. I can't fake what I'm really feeling because that's not going to help me. That's not going to help me move along. That's not going to help me grow. That's not going to help me in my relationship with Christ. And from that moment on, I was just real with those people that I have in my corner. Don't fake it. Don't hide it. Let it be. We don't think of you as less because every single one of us, like I said in the beginning of this message, life is a roller coaster. We all go through it. The last point I want to share with you, and the band's going to come up right now. The last point I want to share with you is very simple. Don't stop. Point four. Don't stop. Don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping in God. Don't stop putting your faith in Christ. Even when it feels like there's no hope left, He is there. Even when it feels like there's nothing left in your tank, don't stop. I think a lot of us in 2020 and 2021 felt like stopping. Felt like this, this can't be. Maybe there's some of us here today that feel like we just can't stop. Are we, some of us in here this, in today feel like we just need to stop. We can't keep going. Can I tell you something? You don't know how close you are to your breakthrough. You don't know how close you are to that miracle you've been praying for. You don't know how close you are to that healing that you've been asking from God. Don't stop. The last story I want to share with you is a story in the New Testament in Mark chapter 5. And it's the story of this woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. She's had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She's gone to doctor to doctor, physician to physician, and it doesn't seem like anything's working for her. So I just want to read what she does because I think it's so encouraging for us here today. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A woman who had a hemorrhage, hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured, I know, I'm glad someone caught that. <laughs> oh, man, what a day. All right. <laughs> Hopefully they, they got that on camera so we can, we can play that back. Verse 26, I won't even go back to verse 25. Um, and it had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Verse 28, For she thought, If I had just touched his garment, I will get well. Last verse, verse 29, Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affections. Affections. I love this story because this lady for 12 years 
was going to doctor after doctor, physician after physician, and it wasn't getting better. Instead, it was getting worse. Felt like her middle was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That there was no hope out. There was no finish line in sight. But here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. On his way to perform another miracle, she sees her, sees him and thinks, if I just touch his cloak, I could be healed. And to paint the picture even further for this woman and what she was going through, one of my, uh, one of my favorite theologians wrote this out that I want to read to you guys that I think is so just inspiring almost for what this woman was going through. It says this, According to the Jewish ideas of the time, if this woman touched anyone, she made him or her ceremonially unclean. This uncleanliness did not allow them to take part in any aspects of Israel's worship. By the very law of her people, she was divorced from her husband and could not live in her home. She was ostracized from all society and must not come in contact with her old friends. She was excommunicated from the service of the synagogue and thus shut out from the woman's court in the temple. For 12 years, this woman's life got flipped upside down because of this. For 12 years, there was no hope. For 12 years, she felt like she couldn't keep going. But the beautiful part about this woman is that she didn't stop believing. When she, her back was against the wall, she didn't stop. She kept pressing forward. And as she saw Jesus, she knew what she needed to do. She knew she needed to come into communication with him. She knew that she just needed to touch the hem of his garment. And church, I, I believe, and again, I shared this, that some people were like, are you really going to speak today? I believe the reason why we are here today, all of us, we're not here on accident. For those that are watching online today or in the, in the, in the past or for whatever that is, future. And for us that are in this room, I believe God wants us all here today to know this. Don't stop. Keep pushing forward. Keep communicating to him. Find that team of people that you can surround yourself with while you're in the middle, while you're on the mountaintop, and keep pushing forward. And watch what he can do. Just because God doesn't answer every single one of our prayers does not mean God is still not in the miracle business. Does not mean God still does not answer prayers, because he does. He does. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in friends' life. I've seen it happen in some of your guys' life. He is still real today. And just because our circumstances look horrible, just because our circumstances don't look good right now, that does not mean we need to stop. If anything, that means we need to keep pushing through. And what I want to do right now, if you feel comfortable with this, is, and this is something that I wrote down. I knew how I wanted to close the message before I even wrote the message. But again, I feel like some of us, we, a lot of us, we have hurt and we have pain in our lives. A lot of us, we feel like we're stuck in the middle right now and there seems like there's no hope. What I want to do is we want to open up this altar for you guys to come up and we can have a time of prayer, a time of worship. And if you're here today and you don't feel comfortable coming up to the front but you're still in the middle, that's okay. You guys can just stand where you're at. You can just stand where you're at. Going back to the story of Hannah, as she was praying there, she didn't care what she looked like. She didn't care what other people thought about her. And in this moment right now, God's asking the same for you. If you're truly hurting, if you're truly in the middle right now, it doesn't matter what other people are going to think or what other people might say 
oh, I wonder what they're going through, because they're not. Right now, all it is is just you and God. It's just you and God. And when I'm saying this and when I'm praying, I'm praying this for myself in the middle right now. So if that's you here, I, what I want you to do is just come, stand up and come up to the front. Just stand up and come up to the front. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up to the front, you guys can just stand where you're, where you're at. But just come up to the front. As you come up to the front, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself that you have no one on your team or you have no one on your side, just look around you right now. There's people that are going through hurt, and there's people that are going through pain just like you right now, and they're on your side. They're on your team. They're there for you. They're there for you. So with that, I'd love just to pray. So if we can, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray. Father God, you see everyone in this room that is standing up right now. God, including myself. God, we are praying right now, one, that we just continue to have that communication with you. That as we're in the middle of this valley, we're in the middle of this dark time right now, it doesn't seem like there's no hope at the end, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, God, that you will start to reveal that to us. That, God, your love and your mercy will be granted upon us. That, God, everything that you need us to know, God, let it be known. God, we pray right now for anyone in this room that has lost a loved one recently, God that you fill that void that they have right now. God, that let them grieve when it's time to grieve. Grieving is healthy. But God, in those moments, let your spirit be so evident. Let your mercy be so evident. God, we pray for those that are in this room today that maybe their child has, has walked away from the faith or their loved ones walked away from the faith. God, we pray for them to come back, and God, we pray that these people in this room don't stop praying for them, that even though it might feel like there's no hope at the end, God, that you continue to pray, that you are still real and you are still there. God, we pray for those in financial situations right now that seems like they're going to lose everything. God, we are praying for a miracle. God, we are praying for a miracle. And God, we pray for every other situation that's up here right now, for those that are hurting, for those that are in pain, those that are watching online, those that are standing in the crowd. God, we pray right now for your grace. We pray right now for your love. We pray right now for your mercy to be evident. God, let your Holy Spirit flow through us. Let your Holy Spirit be so real to us, God. God, that when we're in the middle, we know that there is hope because there is hope in you. God, when we are in the middle, we can turn to you. When we're in the middle, you are right there besides us, God. Whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the lowest of lows right now, God, you are there with us. Your Holy Spirit is guiding us. Your Holy Spirit is leading us to where we need to go. God, we pray for doors to open. God, we pray for things to move. We pray for things to shake. God, that you are going to be there, God, and we are making that our prayer today as we kick off 2022. God, we are praying for miracles this year. God, we are praying for hurt to go away. God, we are praying for love to enter our lives through you, Christ. Through you. God, I pray right now as we get ready to go into another song of worship, this is how I fight my battles. We just talked about three quick points, but God, there's so many different ways of how we can fight in our middle, of how we can fight in our lowest of times. And God, another way is worship worshiping you, lifting our hands to you, praising you. And God, I pray we do that today. 
I pray we do that today. We don't hold back. We kick 2022 off the right way by lifting our voices to you, by lifting our hands to you, by giving everything we have to you, by dropping to our knees, by leaving our struggles at the feet of the cross. God, we make that our prayer today. God, we love you. God, we praise you for all that you're doing in this place, God. Let your spirit be so evident to us right now, God. In your name we pray. We all said. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.